You're listening to a podcast produced by Kayama Community Radio. For joining us this morning, and as usual on a Tuesday morning, I have our mayor with us this morning. Thanks for joining us, Neil. Hi there, it's a pleasure, Bernie. Yeah, and uh, you've been busy recently, so listen, you've been away. Yes. You were at conference, how did that go? Look, it was the local government uh, New South Wales conference and AGM. Uh, it was it was pretty illuminating, it really was. Mm. Uh, there was a, uh, 128 councils represented from all over New South Wales, plus uh, uh, other other folk that uh, that have to do with local government. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting, and, and it's like all conferences. Half of it is what you take away from the presentations and half of it is what you take away mm. from, you know, the collegiate sort of attitude and, uh, and, and catching up with people and, and hunting people down who know more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> What would be the high point? What would you be bringing home with you from that conference? Oh, look, <clears throat> it's 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 very hard um, to sort of pick one high point out of uh, a, a couple of days of intense councilness. Uh, I think one of the uh, one of the high points was that I had an opportunity to uh, to speak to the Minister of Local Governments, uh, uh, Chief uh, Head of Staff. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak with the head of uh, Office of Local Government uh, and I had an opportunity to speak with uh, Dr Amanda Cohen, who's an MLC, uh, who recently uh, had some comments to the Minister at budget estimates that are associated with uh, with our council. So, oh, so you met with her there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh interesting. It was kind of fortuitous um, that uh, her kind of... Uh, uh, questioning at, uh, at budget estimates uh, coincided with the Sunday uh, start of yeah. the um, the LGNSW uh, conference, and uh, I was able to catch up with her. She actually she was on a panel, um, and uh, I'd made an appointment already to uh, to see her, but she was on a panel, and it was about financial st- sustainability for councils, and uh, uh, she said that. Uh, Councils are, um, you know, under a lot of impost from the state government, from the federal government, a lot of cost shifting. And then when councils want to try and kind of escape that cost shifting, um, often the, uh, the, the, the state government doesn't, doesn't give them much help and I feel for them. And I was able to ask a question, which was, which was good. And I, 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 I stood at my microphone and when she'd finished speaking uh, and I knew that I had a meeting with her um, and it was kind of like she had the opportunity to speak with the minister and, uh, and question him deeply mm-hmm. uh, and I felt that I didn't want to grill her the way she, she kind of grilled mm-hmm. the minister. So I said, um, uh, Dr Cohen, um, our council has been involved in aged care for 50 years and we've had not much help from the state government, not much help from the federal government, uh, but 
over 50 years, we've, we've done a pretty good job, but what's happened is that the legislative framework has changed. Uh, so has the, uh, the care requirements. So has the staffing requirements. And, and everything is, uh, is, is much more complex and complicated than what it was. And we really and truly have to divest of that business uh, to be able to, um, to, to allow it to survive under the uh, managership of a different company that probably do a better job than we would. Um, and uh, she said, oh, yes, and what's your question? Well, my question is, am, I have a meeting with you after this. Am I going to be meeting with the, uh, the harsh uh, MLC who uh, uh, said nasty things about our council and my councillors, uh, or am I going to be meeting with the nice MLC who's here today uh, on behalf of the, uh, uh, the, the, the local councils wanting to divest from their imposed uh, positions? And, Did you uh, actually frame it like that? That's exactly the words I said. Okay. And uh, she looked kind of embarrassed and then said, oh, I want to answer, I want to answer. And the mediator said, yeah, sure, answer. And she said, I wasn't having a go at you, I was having a go at the minister. And I said, okay, well, we're, we're collateral damage uh, and I'll see you after this. Okay. And, uh, and I did. This podcast was produced by Kayama Community Radio. Thank you for joining us here at Kayama Community Radio. And I'm with Neil Riley at the moment, our mayor. And uh, I've got another question for you. The community, we're, we're very well aware of the Celebanera, but recently it was reported that further concerns have been raised about a potential fire sale of assets due to the council's financial situation. Now, we are aware of the issues as outlined by you in the past. Um, but how would you respond to that? Well, I guess uh, it's an easy phrase to remember, a fire sale, and it mm. evokes uh, things are so bad that, you know, you yeah. may as well have a fire and you put it, you know, you just got to sell everything, sell the, mm. the farm and the jewellery. But it really is only espoused by people who live in a very sort of a privileged ivory tower mm. who, uh, who, while they're in that tower, they're... they're unaware of the realities that face uh, councils and, and everybody else and they don't have to really understand them and they'll just shoot off that word. I've heard it used in the council a number of times by councillors which is very unfortunate but um, the reality is in the last uh, 11 months we've sold a car park. It was slated for sale eight years ago and Eight did years you, later, we, we've sold it. And did you get a good price, I suppose? Is the oh, yeah, I, I can't reveal the price uh, oh. because uh, it doesn't exchange until, I think, the 24th. Uh, but uh, but the uh, I I know the price and but you got a good deal really oh we got a fabulous deal oh you did okay. yeah you've got an underused car park uh, I've seen the aerial shots over a period of twelve months and. Uh, I think it's on a steep incline and people didn't want to use the car park and that was, you know, why we, we mm. had it slated for sale. So if it was a fire sale, it's kind of a slow burn. Um, we, yeah. we, uh, we, we, we sold uh, Akuna Street last year, which uh, was uh, an investment that uh, council made and uh, has always going to sell. And uh, I think we paid around $8 million for it uh, around 2016. Uh, and look, I, my figures might be slightly rough there, but uh, it's, it's about that. And uh, then when we sold it, we got um, $28 million for it. Um, and that's because we took our time. The first buyer, um, we, we, we sort of said, no, uh, you know, you're not mm. going to do 
the right thing. And uh, then we had uh, the second buyer some years later, and uh, we were, uh, you know, we, we went through the process of an open uh, open tender and expressions of interest, and uh, the uh, there were a number of criteria for the sale, and they gave us $28 million. That's not exactly a fire sale, you know. We're, yeah. not, uh, we're not doing that. And with regard to, uh, to Blue Haven, um, we've... Uh, we're closing in on that uh, on that sale. The um, so the date that we were given by Jane Stroud was that it would be all completed by the end of November. So yeah. that's 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 not exactly that's, the case. No, right that's now, that's is not it? the case now because uh, we've had uh, such enthusiastic um, uh, response to the expressions of interest. Now, I don't know who has responded and what they've responded with, but I do know that the response has been enthusiastic to the point where people want to really and truly sharpen their pencils and they have requested an extension to put in their uh, their tender. And that extension is such that the tenders will close on the 19th of December. Right. So it's going to be, you know, uh, a a, a Merry Christmas one way or another but uh, we will come back in uh, in January with an extraordinary meeting uh, to review that uh, that tender process and uh, and select a uh, uh, who, who wins that uh, that particular tender uh, again so not a fire sale well it couldn't be a fire sale no, if we sort no. of delay it for okay. people to get better money yeah know? yeah okay so so January then we're looking at January that's true yes okay okay brilliant so, Neil Riley, uh, Mayor, uh, we have been talking, you've mentioned just now that you got to ask Dr Amanda Cohn a question, and she has raised questions about the authority to intervene in the sale of Bonera um, and whether the council explored other options. So you did have a chat with her? Oh, yes, yes, what, of course. What was discussed? I'm interested to know what, what you had to say and what she had to say. <coughs> sure. Um, well, she... When she spoke at, at uh, budget estimates, she said uh, uh, that the the public paper only uh, revealed that there was one option, and that was to uh, uh, to sell Blue Haven. But uh, I asked her, did she have the uh, the confidential document? And I wonder why she has it and where she got it from. But she has it, and I said, have you read it? And she said, no. And I, I was a bit devastated I said but okay so you've got this privileged document that you're probably not supposed to have um, but you haven't read it and she said no no I haven't and I said well if you were to have read it you would see that the options were there to sell Blue Haven to keep Blue Haven to go into partnership uh, with someone else and, and, mm -hmm. and manage it or to lease Blue Haven and all of those options were uh, explored and as a matter of fact uh, Peter Teggett who was the person moderating the panel that she was on provided us he was the um, uh, appointed um, uh, uh, financial advisor mm -hmm. to, to council uh, the, the office of local government appointed him and he gave us uh, he gave us four options as well um, the three other options apart from sell would have sent council broke pretty quickly and that was very obvious in the Ford estimates that we had uh, had looked at and I told her that when when she gets a chance to, to read that document that I don't think she should have um, she will see that it's revealed in there that there all options were explored um, she also asked the minister would uh, would he intervene in the sale 
And I said, why should the minister intervene? She said, well, to stop it, we think that you should keep it. And I said, well, that's interesting, and a lot of people hold that view, but um, how, how do you think that we could keep Blue Haven and maintain a financially stable council? And she said she didn't know because she'd only been in that role as council advisor or councillor, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, spokesperson, uh, for six months. So how would I know after six months? But I'm willing to work with you. Well, we've had KPMG work with us. We've had some of the financial brains of the universe working with us. And uh, uh, we have come to the same conclusion that they have, that it really has to be sold if it's going to be maintained. Um, I was just really look, very, very disappointed that there was... She told me, and I said, look, it's, it's, it's sad, but your comments are upsetting people who live there. And I know this. I speak to them on a weekly basis. Uh, I speak to their committees and I speak to the people. And nearly every time I go down to buy a pint of milk, I speak to someone about this sort of stuff. And people are upset because they don't know what the future holds. This uncertainty is, is worse. And I think for the most part, the people of Blue Haven understand that the sale is necessary and they possibly will be better off as a result of it. Um, and she said, oh, you'd be pleased to know that I have had correspondence with Blue Haven residents and uh, they are very supportive of my, uh, my position on this. That you sh I said, so you don't have all the information but you're absolutely sure that we should sell it? And she said, yes. I said, okay, how many letters did you receive? And she said, well, the one that I got was very representative of, of, of the situation. And I asked her, how many people do you think lived in Blue Haven? Mm. There was a long silence, and she said, I don't know. I said, well, there's about 600 people live up there, you know. Um, I think that uh, one letter may not be representative. And she said, but I still maintain that you should keep it. And I said, well, that's, that's your ideological position, and that's, that's fine. I understand that. That's where you're coming from politically. Uh, I said, but I really need you to understand that... I do not want an agent provocateur in the background undermining a lawful democratic process put in place by this council and I won't stand for it and people who want to ruin my council I have absolutely no time for and she said uh, I understand that. I am talking to Neil Riley, and thank you so much for being with us Neil. Um, so my next question is about Kerma Heights. Ah, yes. Beautiful so, place. Kayama Heights, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But the residents there apparently, allegedly, are feeling a little neglected. And uh, they consider that their suburb is a little bit forgotten in Kayama. And they're citing issues like amenities, access to the beach, and being a little forgotten by the council. How would you answer that? Uh, look, uh, first of all, they're, they're not forgotten. Um, I, uh, I understand and every time I go to a central precinct meeting I'm reminded uh, mm. I used to live there, I used to live at the end of Tunga Avenue and it is a spectacularly beautiful place and I think that the idea uh, when I became mayor the first act virtually was yeah. to uh, create a pocket park there where we had uh, uh, one lot of land that was gifted to us by the developer back in the 60s, I suppose. And uh, rather than uh, than sell that, uh, myself and all the councillors lobbied to uh, to hang on to it and turn it into a park. So we that was a little thing that we could do. And it was the, one of the first acts that I did as, uh, as a mayor. Uh, the uh, 
other land that is around there is kind of hard. A lot of it's privately owned, and we can't just take over people's property. But uh, some of it is owned by uh, Transport for New South Wales, and it's uh, you know green space above a, a tunnel, a train tunnel, and uh, we have so many very powerful state. Um, I, I want to say sort of mega offices and transport is one of them and uh, they pretty much do what they want well I want to be able to put a good deal to them and say this land is on you know uh, it, it, it's on an area that is underutilized underdeveloped and, yeah underdeveloped and uh, we could make something really nice out of this for the community, community yes. so yeah. what i want to do we we're, we're divesting not only to um, restore uh, our our financial stability but also divesting so that we can reinvest and we want to reinvest some of that money mm. at uh, Kiama Heights. That's that's a fact. I've spoken uh, at length uh, to the CEO about this, uh, and uh, I've had uh, one of my uh, colleagues that I ran with on my ticket uh, knew how to do sort of geotech surveys, and uh, in terms of land use, there isn't enough at uh, mm. at Kiama Heights, and and I want to fix that. We can't fix it until we have the means to do it we've, mm. we've got to you know uh, cut our cloth according to our costs and the other thing that i read about their concerns at kaima heights was about lock gates impeding the access to east beach and uh, the coastal walking track being in a degraded state and posing challenges for families and individuals with mobility issues is there is there a thought that that might be something we can address um I haven't had one complaint oh. with regard to the walking tracks okay. um, being in disrepair and so on. Not one complaint. Okay. I mean, and I I get a fair few complaints. You might yep. be surprised yep. to learn. Yep. But uh, I haven't had one complaint, but I'll certainly look into it. I'll take this as a complaint and I'll oh, look into it. But hang on a minute. The council's response, this was in April. This is where I read this, yep. that correspondence from Jane, Jane Stroud, in April indicated plans for improvements including applying for funding to upgrade the walking track between Atunga Avenue Reserve and East Beach. Yeah, well that's that's, that's it. That's what you've been talking about too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> in council land things take time. Uh, yeah. But this is something that uh, look, I, I didn't, I didn't recognise, and no one has written to me and said, "Oh, the walking track's in a terrible state." I don't know that it is, uh, but uh, I'll have a walk of it and, and, and see how it how it looks and see what we can do to fix it up. I want to extend that walking track. Mm -hmm. uh, there are plans to do so, and uh, I met with uh, a guy called uh, Bruce Tom, uh, who is a legend in uh, in coastal management in New South Wales, in Australia, and in fact the world. Um, and uh, he has uh, a lot of uh, he had a lot of work on the original coastal track, and I spoke to him about the rest of it. And uh, I gave him an undertaking, and I give the people an undertaking that 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 uh, extension will be uh, will be realised. With regard to gates closing on properties and stuff, I guess if you have a a piece of property that is privately owned, uh, you have mm. every reason to mm. uh, and every legal. Uh, reason to uh, to gate it off, even though it's kind of convenient, but some people just don't like uh, the public wandering through their property. I guess. Yeah. Okay.
I'm Bernie Hems and Neil Riley, our Mayor, and I are going to be with you now just for another 10 minutes until 9 o'clock. And I've just got a couple of more questions for you, Neil. Sure. Um, Love's Bay. Love's Bay. Yes. Um, can you comment the ICAC investigation regarding uh, the Mayor of Canada Bay Council and its implication for the approval process of those townhouses. The residents have expressed concerns about the townhouses being marketed as oceanfront hotel. Um, how, how do you address those concerns? Okay, f- first of all, um, I was made aware on Friday that the Mayor of Canada Bay had to be stood down uh, because of inappropriate dealings with uh, developers, uh, and uh, in and and I think on a on a huge scale, uh, this was picked up by our local Bugle newspaper. It was who felt that because Canada Bay and um, the the loss of a mayor and a corrupt uh, uh, developer, it must have happened the same here in Kiama. I think they put that that uh, that on me and uh, I, I I was kind of a bit upset because I think that there should be standards in journalism you can't say because a mayor somewhere else uh, by a developer who has a development here in Kiama and he could have developments uh, all over Australia that everywhere that this guy goes the mayors are corrupt I think that's uh, that's a pretty long bow. Look, I don't know who the developer I don't is. Think, was that really the that was the inference? That, that was really? the inference. And uh, when that uh, that bugle story came out, I got a number of calls saying, "Well, the bugle's sort of saying this about you." Now they didn't say they didn't say, "Oh, you know, you must be corrupt because you're dealing with this person." But they said, "Oh, there's there's resident un- unrest because of this uh, this situation." Look, I, I on its merits. That, to be fair, I don't, I don't think that was. I don't think they were intending. Well, that. you know, to to be fair, I'm the guy that has the phone calls. I know, I know. <laughs> and and look, to, okay. to, for someone to think that I'd take money from a bloody developer, they're nuts. Yeah. If they have to yeah. see my bank account, I'd be only too happy to show them. I'd only be too sad to show them, actually. <laughs> but the, the 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 reality of the situation is that on its merits, that uh, development was approved. Uh, yeah. However, that development is marketed, um, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a small piece of Capri here in Kayama or, or, or whether it's um, interesting shaped building, I, I, I don't know. That's up to the owners of the building. The building was um, recommended by our professional staff to be compliant with, uh, with our rules. Uh, we as, agree. as a residential building? Uh, yeah, and... You know, a residential building is uh, has uh, has uh, standards, and uh, it was presented to us as that. Um, sh- we I guess it's the term hotel. But why did they why did they use that? I wonder. I mean, I, I yeah, I've got, I, no, I, I don't control their marketing. I don't know. But if they say, okay, we, we've we've got this residential building, and we would like you to approve it, do we say just hold on there a minute? Yeah. Is this going to be a residential building or are you going to Airbnb it? Yeah. Like so many homes in uh, yeah. in our area. Look, a, a residential building has every right to be uh, a, an Airbnb according to yeah. our uh, local environment plan. Now, 
is an Airbnb a hotel? Well, in a, in a legal sense, no. And and maybe their marketing is uh, is not exactly correct. Yeah. But that's look, that's not my lookout. That's that's the Australian Advertising Standards Board that will look at that. We were presented with a uh, uh, a potential structure that was described to us as a residential uh, uh, building, and on that basis, uh, we determined that that was uh, that was that, and we uh, we approved it. Now, and I think Jane said on the strength of that, there's there's no reason to hold an investigation, further investigation. Oh my into goodness, it. no! I mean, no, you know, uh, we've had uh, you know funny. Funny things happen in in the past where people have described things as one thing and then it turns out to be another. And that's just the pitfalls of people's basic dishonesty when they approach counsel. Mm. Uh, if they want to be dishonest about what it is, how, how are we to tell? We're not an investigative bureau. We're not the FBI or the CIA or the ASIO or ICAC or any of that. We're, we're a council. And if you say, here's the plans to our residential building and they comply, we will approve it. Mm. And, uh, and, and so we should. So mm. we should. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, the, the mayor of Canada Bay and the mayor of, uh, of Kiama uh, have a different view on uh, on the world uh, and that reason for that reason i'm here and he's not yeah okay um i've got one final question because sure. it is five to nine and our time is running out and i can't run over i get in trouble if you sure. run over so i we're won't gonna, we're gonna have to go quickly I'll be disciplined. <laughs> absolutely disciplined now um you don't have a dog do you hey no no, no. i have a, i have a one-year-old child who lives in our house <laughs> it's worse but gareth ward's got a dog um, he's a beautiful little golden little creature, I think. Yeah, he's, and, he's lovely. And, and I've got a couple of dogs, so yeah. I'm invested in this next story. So and declaring your interest. I'm declaring my interest in that Gareth um, has a, wants to establish a dedicated dog park in the Kiama LGA. Now, I know that this isn't the first time it's been mooted. Yeah, yeah. Because I think about two years ago I did a podcast with someone who was petitioning to have a dog park with all sorts of great reasons yeah. why that should be. Um and I think it was on the cards, but then uh, clearly you've had other things to think about in the meantime. <laughs> yes. And uh, maybe not a priority, but you, you did meet at one point that it would be a possibility in the Look, future. Look, it, it, it is a possibility, and, and I think that uh, while, while I don't own a dog, there's a good, good reason for it because I, I work maybe 60, 70 hours a week. My wife um, uh, works for, for, for mm. TAFE. Uh, we, we were kind of empty nesters for a while uh, and uh, there would be no one to kind of look after that dog during the day and I don't think that's very fair mm-hmm. and I, I really like dogs I, I, I love them their, their loyalty is unquestioning and uh, uh, it's um, unqualified so I, I, I like dogs so I reckon that uh, if we can do something to make don- dog owners safe and there are people who don't like dogs but to make them feel safe as well there, there, yeah. there is no reason not to um, we have to find a, a place to do it. Now, if, if Gareth wants to find some money uh, to, to help us out, uh, I'd, I'd take it with, with, with open arms. But we're still, you know, first of all, we're still doing reparations on roads at Wallaby Hill, yeah. at Fox Ground and, uh, and so on. Uh, we, we have limited, uh, limited funds, but... I, I think that we should be doing it. We need to look, and I wrote a, a column in the Bugle about this, that said we, we need to start thinking about the council that we want 
to be once we get out of this mess. And I tell you what, I, I will be part of getting out of this mess and I will want to be also part of making things better, better for the residents of Kiama Heights, better for the residents uh, of, of uh, downtown Kiama, Jamboree, uh, Jerengong, etc. Jaroa. Can't yep. forget Jaroa. <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to make this place an exemplar. Uh, we can be the best council in New South Wales. We have the beauty. We have the people. And pretty soon we will have the financial stability to be able to do these things. Uh, we will look at them in a, in, a, in a financial and cold hard light, unlike what has been happening before. People thought it would be a good idea to do this and they just did it without any thought towards the maintenance and ongoing costs that might be associated with we'll do it sensibly so how am i going how many minutes you're you're doing well we've only got a couple of seconds left but we're also going to have a dog part then okay this podcast was produced by kaima community radio